Hi, Kitchen Bonus. I hope that you all are staying sane and healthy during this never-ending corona pandemic, particularly thinking of those who are in places like Arizona, where the government leadership has been completely inept, has not put in place any kind of comprehensive plan for getting out of this, no lockdown, no mask mandate. Here we are. But amidst this pandemic, there are still moments of joy and of learning. And in that spirit, I wanted to unlock a lit review that I did from last season with Tina. Tina is a host and producer of the Odom Podcasters, the Young Odom Podcasters Network. And you can follow her at Odom Podcaster. And we discussed in this lit review the Cuban science fiction author's work, A Legend of the Future, and we discussed how radical it is for people of color to engage in science fiction writing in a world that is trying to kill Black, Indigenous people of color. It is revolutionary for us to write ourselves into the future, particularly because historically the science fiction genre actually has been used by white co- media culture creators and as a way of expressing anxieties about economic insecurity. And of course, it's usually xenophobically tied to ideas of migration as well and quote unquote invasion. So we discussed a bit of that, and yeah, I hope that you all enjoy this. If you wish that you had gotten access to this a year ago, I recommend you become a Lit Review patron. You, for however much you want to give a month, $5 or $10, you get two Lit Reviews a month, and you also get access to the whole back catalog of Lit Reviews. And at this point, there's a good number of them for y'all to dig into. You can also support Radio Cachimbona by following on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Radio Cachimbona. And leaving a podcast rating and review, it's also super, super helpful. I currently have 214 ratings and reviews, and it's currently listed as a five-star podcast. Yay. And it would be really great to get that number up to 250. So I would really appreciate if y'all would really quickly write a rating. It's, It's totally free and a really impactful way to help support the podcast if you want the podcast to grow. Well, I hope y'all enjoy this lit review. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to have my friend Tina from the TO Young Voices podcast back Mm -hmm. to do a lit review episode. And for this lit review, we read A Legend of the Future, which was written by Agustin de Rojas. It's a Cuban science fiction novel. And we were just talking about how it's difficult to get into at first because it's just really hard to understand what's happening. So Mm -hmm. 
Tina, do you want to take it away? <laughs> uh, sure. Hi, hi, everyone who's tuning in. It's good to be back on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and first, reading this book from the get-go has, was definitely confusing in a lot of different ways. You didn't know what was what at first. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Again, the prologue, especially. Yeah, yeah. The prologue was just yeah. It, it because it goes back from. I felt like it was going back from reality to some kind of past, like the now and the past. Once I started to read more and more, that's what I was getting from it, from the now to the past of whatever it was that had happened wow. with these people. That's interesting. Because I knew that from the prologue, I knew that there was two different worlds that were being yeah, described. Yeah. With Is... Oh, also, how do you pronounce that name? Isanui? Mm. Wait, how do they pronounce it in the Audible book? Oh, yeah. And so I got the Audible version of it. <laughs> so you like listening to it. I did. So. I did. I like listening to it because it, it pronounced the names better than I would have. It's just, they weren't Spanish names. They no. Like, Isanusi. Isanusi, yeah. And I thought what was Gemma, it's Hema. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, and in Spanish, the G is... Yeah, okay, yeah. That's, that's Spanish name. <laughs> and then up. Yeah, Thundup. <laughs> yeah, so I remember thinking that there were two different ones because Isanusi seemed to be, like, on Earth, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then other people seemed to be in space. Yeah. And I remember being confused because... Oh, like, they talked about Isanusi striding off... It, striding off into the green sea surrounding him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, he's in a place where there's water, but mm-hmm. they're in a place where there's space. So yeah. they're like two different things. Yeah. But why did you think it was past and now? Or wait, did you say past and future? Or past um, and The now and the past. Okay, yeah. Because when they were talking, they were talking about what the situation, what state everybody was in, which is the, the shipwreck, spaceship mm-hmm. was hit and all these, whatever was wrong and what wasn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. Who was dead and who was alive when they were talking later in the book when they were talking about uh, these names i wrote it i wrote it so the names so the crew members spaceship the spaceship is actually named too svia tagore is the spaceship name and the mission was originally to go to one of Saturn's moon is Titan. Um, and then somewhere along their voyage, they got hit by a meteor and it did some damage. And when they hit it, they lost a couple of crew members by the name of Pavel, mm-hmm. Alix, and Kay. Mm-hmm. And the surviving three are Isanusi, Hema, and Thundup. Mm-hmm. And then Alex and Isanusi seem to previously have a romantic relationship. Yeah. And then yeah. she died. Mm-hmm. And then... I think it was Thundup that had a romantic relationship. With Alex. Yeah, with yeah. Alex. Yeah. Alex. Alex. Okay, yeah. with Alex. And then Isanusi previously had a romantic relationship with Hema, but then... Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, pretty much. But then after the crash, it seems like... Oh, well, I guess they explained that before they <laughs> <laughs> before they went on their voyage, they all underwent a certain type of conditioning. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, it was really creepy. Yeah. Um, especially because I thought it was really weird that it seemed like the two women mm-hmm. were the ones who were just 
who were said to be the most <laughs> likely to get emotional. Yeah. And they were the ones who needed to be extra conditioned. I was like, oh, yeah. this is weird. <laughs> Great. Like, the patriarchy also exists in the future yeah. in space. That's awesome. <laughs> but they said that for the... Because apparently this is, like, one of a lot of missions that have occurred mm-hmm. to go to distant planets and stars. And yeah. previously what had happened was that the missions had failed because basically human emotion got in the way like Mm -hmm. if somebody in the crew died then everybody else they made mistakes that the narrator said they wouldn't have otherwise made if they hadn't Mm -hmm. been so emotional Mm -hmm. and so basically for this trip they decide they conditioned them so that they could try and avoid those things at all costs Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what that's where it gets creepy yeah because Hema was conditioned to shut off her like emotional subjective self and I don't know but did the crash trigger that? I think it did. Okay. Um, and that's why there was a lot of flashbacks, I guess. Oh, wait, what do you mean? Like, flash, oh, yeah, um, like to the past where they were talking when they, the, the whole crew was there and they were talking to Alix or Pavel. So, yeah, I think the crash definitely did, did that. And so then Thunder, I think, goes through a moral dilemma because... He feels weird about the fact that Hema and Alix were conditioned. And Mm -hmm. he says that he's actually happy that Alix died in the crash because he couldn't stand to see her in her robot form Mm -hmm. in the way that Hema was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought this was really interesting because in a lot of sci-fi setups that I've seen, the scary thing is like a machine possibly becoming Mm -hmm. human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was one of the few stories that i've read where it's like a human who's becoming like a machine that's true (laughs) that's interesting Mm -hmm. and it's it's really it's just really interesting to follow hema's thought process Mm -hmm. because you and it's also kind of weird because easton you see even the like they used to be in a romantic relationship but it kind of seems like he like (laughs) tells her what to do yeah. like she's a robot yeah he does he does yeah he told her like he one of the first nights after the crash he told her to go lay in bed with Thondu because he thought he would be lonely <laughs> which yeah. is really weird mm-hmm characters did you like best or maybe empathize with the most i would in a weird way i would have to say thunder mm-hmm. i yeah because and especially when i read the ending he was just set i mean even though he was um coming back to well he wasn't even coming back to reality he was stuck to he kept forgetting what happened and he kept asking what happened what happened and Hema kept having to explain this is what happened we were in a crash but he was just not believing any of it and they're they were trying to get back to earth but there's um what he had said thunder what he had said toward the end was that to earth as the rational being that inhabits it mankind so he was like set on not going back to earth at all because he felt like if they did they would have access to exploring more out off of earth and Mm -hmm. damage other planets or other moons or other you know galaxies and he was just not gonna have it 
So, what did he do in the end? He ends up dying. Oh, how did he die? It doesn't really say, or maybe it does, and I missed it, but I didn't really catch exactly how he died, and it was just weird how it happened, too. <laughs> it was kind of, even, kind of confusing in the end, because all of a sudden, he bit into Hema's arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's bleeding, and she's trying to get away from him, and then after he did that, he just kind of died. Hmm. And she she passes, too. Oh. Yeah. Hope I didn't ruin it. <laughs> I just did. No, I mean, because I like, appreciate that you had read the ending because yeah. it'll, yeah, it'll make the conversation more fruitful. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this is what I get for procrastinating my own thing. So, and like, I don't know. I also, like, I'm the kind of person where you can ruin an ending, but I'll still, like, want to watch it or I'll still Okay, it because that's I'm, good. Yeah, because, like, I'll still want to see, like, how it gets there because mm-hmm. there's a lot in between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did East Tennessee live? Not that I heard. I don't really know what happens to him, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And I tried to listen to the epilogue. What is it? The prologue? The ending part of it? What do oh, they call that? The epilogue. Yeah. But it w- it just seemed too much at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was confusing all the way through? Not really. Some parts in one of my notes here, I'm putting down and reading some of the what the other people felt it may it helped me look at it in a perspective whereas that it's kind of talking or showing how people adapt when circumstances spiral out of control mm-hmm. and how they crack when they don't adapt sufficiently mm. so that to me was just like wow yeah that's so true because that is kind of what is happening mm-hmm. they're trying to be truthful to thund up about the situation but really, he's the one that's kind of... Well, they're kind of slowly telling him that's at least that's what I was getting. Mm-hmm. Because, again, they don't want him to emotionally get over whatever it is. You mm-hmm. know, over-emotional about the whole situation. So they're kind of giving him little information little by little. But it kind of gets to a point, I feel like, where Hema's tired of doing that. And she's just, like, telling him, telling him like it is. And he's still... I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's in denial, but he's still kind of in a whole other state. I think. To me, I think this. I just can't avoid the topic of patriarchy when thinking about this because mm. Hemba was the one who seemed the most in control. Yeah, like, she did. I, I feel like I do. F- I don't know. I do feel for her because I think it's weird that part of her agency was taken away, mm. but. But you, the what I like about the book is that you also get to see their inner thoughts apart mm-hmm. from seeing how they speak to each other. And mm-hmm. so you can see that Hema was like True. trying to integrate her old self into her current self, yeah. and that she was trying to analyze logically how to move forward, yeah, and like how to calm down Thunda. Mm-hmm. True. And whoever analyzed the group said that Alix and Hema were the ones who were going to be the most vulnerable to emotion and the mm, ones who weren't going to be able yeah. to take it, but it was thumbed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, probably should have been conditioned Way also. more, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true, but interesting too. Yeah, just what you were saying about the two women <laughs> getting the most conditioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thumbed up feels guilty about that, you know? So yeah. I think he must be reckoning with realizing like, oh, I'm human too. Like, I have mm-hmm. emotions too. And... Mm-hmm. I allowed for my this person that I love to become 
like partially a computer. Yeah, true. Yeah, interesting. Let's see. Another thing that I thought was interesting was there was a comment about inevitable paying the inevitable price um, from past failed test flights and exploration because they knew prior to going on this test flight is what they were calling it mm -hmm. that there had been many failures but was it there was it really their choice or was it not that's kind of what I didn't really get or was curious about I guess it seemed to me like they were well I guess I Hema I'll speak for Hema but actually now it's kind of weird because I'm like Hema seemed the most committed to me mm-hmm like she was because she was like when they explained to her that she had been conditioned she was like oh wait i don't understand why i didn't know this before because i'm pretty sure my old self would have been cool with it yeah so <laughs> like that to me seemed like oh like she was really down she was really mm -hmm. down to do whatever to mm -hmm. make this mission work yeah and she was super committed after being conditioned to making it work but then now that i'm thinking about it, how do we really know that that's what the old hemma wanted yeah yeah because <laughs> see <laughs> Because she had been conditioned mm -hmm. to to be effective. Yeah. And if that was really working, then sh it would be fitting that Hema would think that her old self yeah. would be cool with it. How? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like her head. Like I feel like my like mm -hmm. internal workings would explode if I was like, <laughs> I'm this machine body consent to being a machine. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, so that's why I was kind of like questioning that, like, well, did they really go make that decision on their own after being told this? Or did it have to do with the conditioning part of it where they're just like, yes, willing and ready to, to do it? Yeah. So the, the kind of like background context to this is that there's something called the World Federation and something, hmm. the World Federation of Communists and then mm, the yeah. Empire. Yeah. And... The Empire has this ruling class of people, and I, actually I was just reading this part about the Dream Palaces. Did mm, you read that? I didn't. Oh, okay. It was it was in part one. It was really interesting. Hema was explaining the Dream Palaces to Thunder because... So they say, the first Imperial Dream Palace is being built. Who can pay for a century of living beautiful dreams? The answer is obvious, Thunder. And the choice of the dream is understandable from their point of view. Thanks to it, there's no danger of any frustration. So she's talking about these dream palaces that the rich built for themselves. Mm -hmm. And basically, when you live within it and it's protected from any kind of atomic war that might happen within the universe. Mm -hmm. And so they can like live out their whole life in this dream world where mm -hmm. there's anything negative that they think is negative does it's like heaven i guess yeah, yeah that's like the easiest way to describe it <laughs> and hema's explaining this to thundup and i guess thundup is wondering what the future of the empire is going to be and then hema's really convinced that the world federation of communists oh that the empire is going to just disband mm -hmm. and it's going to become like a separate maybe separate countries or separate planets or just like separate entities Mm -hmm. And the reason she thinks that is because she thinks the ruling class is going to get sucked into the dream palaces. Oh, and wow. Yeah, because she said that that has kind of been happening for a while, that the ruling class needs to be really quickly replaced because they're over reality really quickly. And they're just like, why would I want... They basically are, so why would I want to live in reality when I can afford mm. to live in this dream palace? Wow. <laughs> and, so, and since they are protected from 
atomic war. They're just like, mm-hmm. why would I be here? <laughs> what um, would you do if you had the choice? Would you want to live in reality or would you want to live in the dreamland? <laughs> <laughs> Are you like... <laughs> I mean, it's a it's an interesting, it's an question. interesting question. Yeah, yeah, to ask anybody. Yeah, if you had the choice, right? <laughs> what would you do, or would you just put up with reality mm-hmm. <laughs> and the shit we have to deal with? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like I think I would have a goal for myself of how long to stay in reality, and then I would like, oh, really? find time to go, and then I would pass the torch. Because that's how I feel about social justice work. Uh-huh. Like I'm really gonna commit myself 100, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna retire at some point. Yeah, and pass the torch. <laughs> I'm done. That's that's a good yeah. That's a good example to put it like that's what it's like, especially when you retire. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's hard. Reality's hard, you know. And like, I think I wouldn't enjoy enough of reality to want to stay here to like live a life, like mm-hmm. a human life. But then yeah. like once I'm like eighty, yeah. like I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Like especially when my body starts to physically deteriorate, I think yeah. I would really like that. Wow. But what about you? <laughs> I think I would just go to the dreamland. Which is right, like tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, you the know. First there. <laughs> yeah. I think I would rather do that than to go through reality. I feel like even though I'm still young, <laughs> I'm already over it. I am over it. I'm over reality already. Um, I guess I don't like the idea of going to the dream world because i would know that it's the dream world but i think mm. that i think they address that about whether or not they it would know. has to be conditioned <laughs> before i go into the dream world so i don't have to you know what so many people would probably opt in for that. <laughs> yeah oh yeah so then it says in the dream they will also come up against adversaries envious of their riches and power but they are there solely in order that the dreamer may experience the pleasure of crush- crushing them Mm. In the dream world, they can do whatever they wish without restrictions, without any real opposition. You know what this reminds me of? Westworld. Did you ever see that show? No. Okay, it was. It's on HBO, and it was. It was a similar kind of idea where this quote unquote amusement park was built for adults. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's very. <laughs> Probably, it's probably gonna be triggering but it's like the idea there are all these landscapes like the wild wild west mm. and japan during the sam during the time of the samurai mm. and it's basically these rich people would just pay to go and like live out their fantasies of being wow. like a cowboy or huh. like a japanese fighter like yeah. a samurai and it's exactly like this it's like they take pleasure in it because they get to like feel this sense of conquest mm-hmm. but without any real danger to themselves because they were in a world with robots oh i see mm-hmm. huh interesting yeah and it's, i think th- that's why it kind of creeps me out because i feel like <laughs> this is very much like that this idea of a dream palace i mm-hmm. think is something that only the rich ever get to experience yeah yeah it's kind of remind also you just saying that have you ever seen that movie it has to do with the dna Gattaca. Yes, yes. Gattaca. Yeah, I watched it in bio. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love uh, that movie. But I don't remember it. Ugh. So it's based on your how, what is it like genes, your mm-hmm. genetics, your, your strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whether you're going to, if you have a poor mm-hmm. genetics, then they're just gonna label you as that and you have to be a janitor for the rest of your life but Mm. if you're really great and everything survival of the fittest 
then you're definitely set to do greater things. Mm -hmm. So you just saying that reminded me of that. Yeah, because it's also predetermined that the only people who get to go to the dream palace are the rich. Yeah. Would I find it to be a dream palace? Mm. Because it would not be my dream palace to be mm. surrounded by rich people <laughs> who are like conquering poor people. Yeah, like that would not be my dream yeah. palace. <laughs> and like this idea would only work if like I got my own individual dream palace. Yeah. Which like I wouldn't need much, honestly. I feel like I'm pretty I'd be pretty content with like honestly living in this house, which is a big backyard, Mocha and Joseph, and I'm good. <laughs> and I get unlimited supply of food and beer. <laughs> and then I'm good. <laughs> I would want that, but this to me, like, that's... Yeah, I know, right? Nah, same. (laughs) (laughs) So then, Hamas explained to him... He, he said, yes, there's a logic to what you're saying, Hema, but in the end, a dream is not reality. That's why it could never satisfy them. Mm. But then she says, and this is really interesting because they bring up capitalism. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> and, uh, I think it's also interesting that this is written by a Cuban author. So mm-hmm. the text is obviously anti-capitalist and pretty mm-hmm. pro-communist. Mm-hmm. So Hema explains capitalism is all about the individual self and mm-hmm. like... If you take that to its logical conclusion, what that means, what you perceive is real. Mm-hmm. What you individually perceive is real and the mm-hmm. most important thing. So if what you're perceiving is your dream world, even mm-hmm. if that isn't quote unquote objectively real, that won't mm-hmm. matter to you because yeah. you yourself are happy. Yeah. Even if the rest of the world mm-hmm. is in a whole other situation. Yes, that's very true. And that's one thing that I read when I was reading other people's reviews is the the psychology behind it is really strong. Mm-hmm. And it is true. And one thing that I learned when while being in college is the mind is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. if you think and you choose to believe a certain thing and you live by that, then that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's what really helped to change a lot of my perspective about life and that's what has gotten me to where I'm at today. I'm all about negative and positive energies and mm-hmm. those kind of things. So yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. The mind is a powerful thing. Yeah. I think they mentioned something about that. Like I think Thundup wasn't somebody a sociologist or somebody was like a Yeah, psycho? I think it was, was it was Thundup. It was Thundup, yeah. yeah. Because he brought that up because I think Kemba was saying something like, oh, East Onusi is okay with me being conditioned. Mm. And it was like, yeah, well, honestly, he wasn't the person that was picked to be the, so- the psychosociologist <laughs> of this group. And I don't yeah. think he really understands. You're, he's okay with it because he really thinks that you're the old Hema yeah. with like, a more quote-unquote objective analysis and you're not Hema like because yeah. Thundup notices all these little things that are different about her like mm. he says oh well, her body looks the same her mannerisms are different the way that she moves is different mm-hmm. and to me to him it felt like this is not the real mm-hmm. Hema mm-hmm. which is interesting what is apart from what our bodies are like what is it what is our self mm. because she's Hema still had all of her old memories yeah and then she was just given, I guess, the way that they explain is that they imbue new thought patterns mm-hmm. into your brain to try and get mm-hmm. you 
to adopt them. Yeah. And that she she solves her old memories and she kind of integrates them. Yeah. Istomusi thinks that that means, oh, like, it's still going to be Hema because she's going to have all her old memories. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> no, it's not at yeah. all. Yeah. Which I guess is, like, what makes us human. Mm-hmm. I think to me, like, what, what that's saying is, like, what makes us human is our emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah. <laughs> Hema became more of a machine. Yes, true. Oh, I had a thought and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's why they call it a, a live a review. review. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm having a little something. A little sump something? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lagunitas is my favorite brand of beer. Okay. There's one in Northern California. Oh, cool. Where do you get it? From the Walgreens right over there. (laughs) (laughs) The Walgreens right by my house has a really good beer selection. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I have to try this. I like it. Yeah. It's a little strong, so if you like strong beers, then They can see that the Empire is drawing perilously close to its final crisis, which means anything can happen. The Dream Palaces are shielded against the direct effects of an atomic war, but their energy sources aren't. The fear that they could wake from their artificial paradise and find themselves in a devastated world was and is the best possible argument. For the first time ever, their egoism and the needs of humanity coincide. Which I think is interesting because she's just saying the reason why the empire isn't going to continue is that the rich ultimately would prefer to live in their dream palace and not have an atomic war occur Mm -hmm. and this is the first time that poor people and rich people's Mm -hmm. interests finally align yeah and i thought that was just like really awesome (laughs) political analysis because i do believe in in the in convergence theory and this idea that change doesn't usually happen unless it's in the interest of the people in power Mm. yeah (laughs) so true not to be a bummer (laughs) i just really appreciate the political analysis yeah i guess i haven't read too much science fiction but Mm -hmm. i felt like this was like a it was like political Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. way that not necessarily every single sci-fi thing is Mm -hmm. i thought it was interesting that he was imagining empire in space <laughs> yeah we could what i think is cool about sci-fi is we can imagine totally completely different worlds mm-hmm. we can imagine a totally different world with no law yeah but this is not that <laughs> <laughs> and i also liked that they that he did it was kind of a journal yeah with marking the time and the mm-hmm. date and the hours mm-hmm. yeah because it was easier to keep track of what was the flashback and what's the current moment yeah yeah 2038 yes yeah it said in 2038 which is interesting because that's actually not that far from I now know, right yeah actually, and this was written in 1983 or 86 oh really yeah it was in the 80s mm. that's interesting and another thing that i was reading when i was looking at the reviews after 
I got done reading and, and kind of wanted to see, confirm some of my thoughts about it and okay. see if other people are feeling the same way about the book. Yeah. One thing that I read is that because maybe a part of the confusion has a lot to do with the English translation to the book. Yeah, honestly, I like, I could tell sometimes. Because originally it was, in, it was in, in... In Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I kind of thought, I've noticed that too. Because there are certain things like about the dialogue where I'm like, I could tell that somebody had translated it from Spanish into English. You know how just sometimes mm -hmm. like things just don't translate and they just don't <laughs> yeah, hear yeah, they do. in another language. Like mm -hmm. there were a few moments where I noticed that and I was like, oh, hmm. But I, <laughs> I appreciated the English language translation because I spanned it. It would take me so much longer. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. <laughs> but what did people say was, what did they say? Like what did they attribute to? To that? Just, yeah, to it originally being in Spanish. Let me let me find that where I read it real quick. Oh, I didn't know that this book was part of a trilogy. It's, really? I didn't yeah, know that either. This is the second part of it. Maybe that's why we Maybe felt like it started <laughs> randomly. <Yeah. laughs> Espiral, he wrote in 1982. And then Una Leyenda del Futuro, 1985. And then El Año 200. <laughs> it was written in 1990. Some interesting ideas for sure, but I was distracted by characters <laughs> who didn't quite come across believably, although that could have to do with the fact that this is from the 80s and translated from the original Spanish. I actually found them so all totally believable. I don't agree with them. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know what to think about that. I mean, yeah, you're right. I did too, but it was the one where he says that about it originally being in the, in Spanish that maybe could be a part of the confusion, but what you just said about the trilogy is probably more it than anything. <laughs> yeah, because like we're, yeah, I mean, we're confused. What is the story? What's yeah. happening? But yeah, if it's the second part of the trilogy, then that makes more sense. But I, I do think that there's something to... I mean, I just think translation is always really hard mm -hmm. like uh, on an earlier lit review i we were looking at roca dalton's salvadorian poetry and mm. that was it, it was also his original spanish on one side of the page and then on the other one it was english translation mm. even with i think like whoever did it did the best that they could but there's just yeah. some words that convey certain emotion or mm. like certain I don't know they point to a certain history or mm -hmm. there's just like something that you just can't really translate yeah and i think that's always going to be true with stuff yeah that is true i think even in autumn language when you say it when I'm, i hear it from my mom all the time when you say it in autumn it's a lot funnier than it would be if she said it in english to me yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, humor in Spanish is so different. Yeah. Than, you know, because, like, language does convey culture. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah. And I think that, that there's just, like, some jokes that if I were to translate them, they like, wouldn't it be funnier? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, especially, like, play on words and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It just, it doesn't yeah. really translate over. Yeah. Oh, so you're right that the novel did start with, it starts with a dream and a catastrophic accident mm -hmm. and then switches to the reality of the story. Mm -hmm. So when Easton Nusi was like on earth, was that the dream? Yeah, that was the dream. So the reality part is them being the hit by the meteor, mm -hmm. right? And that's the reality. And that the people, some crew members are dead and these three are the only three left on the ship. 
And there was a part where they actually almost got contact with another ship, but Isunusi was saying that maybe their signal isn't as strong as our ship meant. That's why they can't they can't catch our signal. <clears throat> Because he kept trying to send a signal. This was the ending part of it, too. And that that ship, a uh, spaceship, was it kept going in different rerouting, it was saying. So they try, kind of tried to do the same thing, reroute, but it just wasn't happening. So there was a little bit of hope at the end, but eventually it just didn't work out the way that we probably would have wanted it to. <laughs> and so, like, later in the book, are they still trying to get to Saturn? No, they're trying to get to Earth. Why did they make... I, I guess because their ship was all broken, right? So they because they didn't, they didn't have enough... I don't know what it, if it's fuel or whatever it is that keeps the ship going. They didn't have enough of that. They only had enough to get back to Earth. Okay. Yeah, and that even if... They, they were saying they could probably barely make it back, but if they could barely and not get all the way, at least they could just get to a point where they're orbiting the Earth. Mm. Yeah. And they... Oh, why would that be good for them? They just, they just wanted to orbit around the Just because... Oh, to eventually get pulled yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, and, okay. and spotted or whatever, recognized. Yeah. So, the dream that he was having, was that how Earth actually what it was in 2038? Or is that his dream? Because they described stuff that did not sound like the Earth that we as we know it now. There was a green sea, and like, East Sea was like jumping off of rocks it's, and stuff. <clears throat> it seemed that that's what was, that is what Earth is in 2038 mm -hmm. they didn't really confirm or say but that's kind of what i was getting because it never changed when they would talk about earth mm. oh they still describe it that way <clears throat> mm -hmm. wow why was the earth why was the sea green i don't know <laughs> another <That's so> sad. <laughs> we can answer it in 2019 yeah. we're not far away <laughs> oh god <laughs> we'll still be living then when that time comes. I know, honestly, in 2019, all these dystopic <laughs> sci-fi future things feel very real. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I think this, I can't, I should have put the name to it. I did it on these other notes that I took who said it, but it was a part where somebody, someone, one of them said, and I think it might have been Issa Nusi, what episode should we relive? Hmm. So you know how they kept going back mm -hmm. or... That, to me, was just really interesting. Just that simple question, what episode should we relive? Meaning, do, so do they have control over their thoughts in some way where that they could kind of choose where they want to go back to? I don't know. That, to me, it, that just kind of stood out because of that. And was it time travel? <clears throat> no, it was just their, their thoughts. Oh, so they could choose, <clears throat> oh, like he was saying, like, what memory should I pull up? Yeah, yeah. And then this other line was said that a loss of memory is a way of protecting mental stability. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, to me, was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. I like. So I really liked that theme of humans preserving themselves. Because mm -hmm. I think it's something that we do actually every day. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of really horrific things that if in the world yeah. that if, like, we really, like, sat down yes. and really thought about it, mm -hmm. we wouldn't really be able to function in, in capitalism. Because we, 
And actually, I think they mentioned that in the book at one point. At one point, they said that it was like a part of human behavior to not dwell on things that were horrific for too long because、mm-hmm. they had to get back to their daily tasks on Earth,、yeah. which is true, right?、Yeah. And like, and that's because、mm-hmm. of. What it is to live under capitalism? You don't have、mm-hmm. that free time to like live in the clouds. You <laughs> yeah, need to、true. work to pay your rent and all whatever, whatever,、mm-hmm. whatever, etc.、Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that because I think that that's so real. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that was said by Issa Nusi was that when Thundup came to, even though Hema kept telling him what happened to the ship and the crew members, he was just—he just couldn't. I don't know if he couldn't believe it or he was just in another thought of it being a different scenario. So eventually, because of his reaction. To Hema, trying to tell him what really happened, it came to a point where Isanusi had to tell Hema to just would questioning would it just be better to create another story, one that Thunder can believe in.、Mm. So to me, that was that was interesting that that they would do that after a while of Thunder's disbelief, I guess, to the whole situation. Wait, when did he stop believing it? Because in the parts that I read, he always believed it. Toward the end, I don't know. I yeah, I really、what、don't know what、switch? happened. I I I <clears throat> I probably missed that part because, like I said, I was halfway through、mm-hmm. and then wanted to <laughs> read the end to come here and share more about that. But、mm-hmm. I am sure I missed that. But there's a point where something happens. I'm just not sure what.、Mm-hmm. I think we should do. We can do like a follow up where we after yeah we, after we've read it all yeah <laughs> to kind of fill in some of these plot points yeah. But I think I'm maybe it's my guess right now would be that he was too heartbroken over a leaks, and that、yeah. he just couldn't. He just didn't want to believe that she had died,、mm-hmm. and kind of just didn't want to continue without her there. Is what I would guess. Yeah, that's because、true. he was he was always really perturbed、mm-hmm. by. The deaths, but also like by Hema becoming a computer,、mm-hmm. and like it, he was, he was never really fully on board. I I could sense that at the beginning of the story that he wasn't fully on board with her conditioning, and he、mm-hmm. wasn't fully on Istanusi. Yeah, doing weird things like directing Hema to go into his bed.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is so weird, and honestly, that's. I feel like that, that's like dating the book a little bit because I feel like that's like acceptable to have in like the nineteen eighties. Yeah, you know true. I mean? Yeah. Like,、uh, mm-hmm. I was just like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> If that's your love and your because、yeah. uh, she because you know that she's a computer and that she、mm-hmm. doesn't have subjective emotion. It's like taking advantage of her. <laughs> you saying that reminds me of what is that movie? That old movie, Stepford. Stepford wives, yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I was seeing that Omas was apparently <laughs> has been described as the patron saint of Cuban science fiction. Yeah, which I did not know,、mm-hmm. and actually, like, I really appreciated that I got to read Latin American science fiction because、mm-hmm. this is my first time reading it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, same.、Mm-hmm. 
Mystic, unfortunately, I've just only read or only watched, read or watched. Actually, it's not true. Octavia, I read Octavia Butler. Mm. And so I have read black women writing science fiction, but in terms of movies, I feel like I've only seen like white men mm. imagining of sci fi. And, yeah. And that's actually super weird because a lot of times sci fi movies are a way for white people to like imagine a future without people of color yeah that's been a frequent critique of sci-fi movies mm-hmm. and novels that it's like all these white people and then this this other that's invading mm-hmm. and then the subtext is that the other that's invading is like the brown person or the black mm-hmm. mi- the black migrant and so i just think it's really important like that's why i really appreciate octavia butler and her mm-hmm. work and saying like it is radical to write black women into the future because people are trying to kill us currently mm-hmm. and so to True. write ourselves into the future is really radical yeah that's pretty cool mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i appreciated reading latin american science fiction especially because of this really cool like i'm not a communist but <laughs> i think i am anti-capitalist and so i appreciated this like anti-capitalist mm-hmm. science fiction that came from latin america yeah yeah yeah, I guess I would, one thing, and I'll probably, hopefully I can read more about it, mm-hmm. about more about the Earth's condition in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you brought it up earlier about the water being green. How did that happen? So that's definitely something I'd be look, looking forward to seeing or learning more about what, what's life like then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also think it'd be worthwhile to read the first yeah what was the first one called it was called espita spiral oh Mm -hmm. yeah that'd be interesting to see to read see where they're at by augustine de rojas translated from the spanish by nick caster performed by danny campbell hannah can you hear me wherever you are look up hannah the clouds are lifting the sun is breaking through We are coming out of the darkness into the light. We are coming into a new world. A kindlier world where men will rise above their hate, their greed and brutality. Look up, Hannah. The soul of man has been given wings, and at last he is beginning to fly. He is flying into the rainbow, into the light of hope. Look up, Hannah. Look up. I forgot that that quote started the book. Mm-hmm. It's a book from the Great Dictator, written by Charlie Chaplin. Mm. I'm looking at a, a summary of the book, A Legend of the Future, that takes place inside a spaceship on a mission to tend one of Saturn's moons. While back on Earth, warring superpowers threaten the fate of humanity. So that's what's happening on Earth. Mm. Uh, and when the ship malfunctions on the return journey, the crew members must face their innermost fears amidst experiments in psychological and emotional conditioning and aliens that may or may not be real. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone on the ship an alien? <clears throat> I'm not well, that so I'm... what is an alien? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Half machine, half a human, I feel like makes yeah that's true yeah that's really interesting yeah so i think this is the first part of the legend of the future mm-hmm. lit review and yeah. we will more diligently read the rest of it <laughs> and we will be back to you all with that analysis <laughs> yes and i hope that you all yes i hope you all enjoyed as well bye
Se ya. <laughs>